One of the things that we say often around here that is very true, and that is this. The world is not as it should be. And it's not. And for the last 15 years, the world has been screaming that out to us. This world is not as it should be. 15 years ago, when our country was attacked by terrorists, and the Twin Towers fell and the Pentagon was on fire, people began to pray. People began to flock to churches. But today they're not. As a matter of fact, there are many who are leaving the faith. As a matter of fact, there are many today who do not know the true faith of the Bible. They have ideas of what uh, the Christian life is supposed to be about. They have some uh, glimpses of maybe what is true, but, but many do not know it. And they are not experiencing the power of the gospel. It's as if this thing that has this miraculous power has become something that can be sold and bought and manufactured with the right human intuition and institution and, and the right capacity to, 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 to make people laugh or smile or feel a certain way. And, and it's as if that, that we've lost something of the supernatural in this faith. That there's something going on in the world. We all feel it. We feel a darkness. We sense a confusion. We sense a lack of, of invigoration. There is an apathy towards the things of God. There are people who are hurting and many don't know where they are to go. There's confusion because just 15 years ago, things, things that, that were, were, that were wrong. Now, now today, if you call them wrong, you're wrong. Things that were once considered wrong are now considered right. And, and anyone who says different is, is said to be on the wrong side of history. And, and there's this confusion because people are being encouraged to live in lifestyles that, that, only, that only cause pain, that, that do not create the life that God blesses. And they don't know why. They don't understand. They, they feel a certain way, even though their biology may tell them that there's something else. And they, they don't really know how to deal with that. There, there are those who are angry. And they lash out at police officers. They refuse to stand for the flag. They, they don't know why. They, 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 their reasoning doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But there's this, this sense of that this world is not as it should be. And there's a frustration there's a, even a discouragement. But friends, can I tell you that this is nothing new? This is the way it has always been throughout the world. We who live in the United States of America, we who have ex enjoyed this, this experience for the last couple of hundred years, we have in a lot of ways been separated from the real evils that have always been apparent and, and active in our world. But now... It appears that some of those dark things, some of those dark forces are now going to begin to have sway in our land. And there's some who are afraid, some who are angry. But what we need to do is reflect on the reality of the power of God and be renewed in our hope in Him. There, there are some who are angry and it's, it's because we are looking for our treasure in the wrong places. We, if we will wake up and if we will see God for who He is, we can, we can receive the words of the Apostle Paul that he shared in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Listen to what he said beginning in verse 7. 
But we have this treasure in jars of clay. What is this treasure? It's eternal life. It is Christ himself. That is our treasure. But there are many today who are frustrated and disappointed because they wanted the jar of clay to be the treasure. There are many Christians in North America today who are frustrated and aggravated because the jar isn't as comfortable as we want it to be, because it's not as pretty as we want it to be, because it won't endure the way we want it to endure. It's not what it once was, and it's, and it's aggravating. But, but friends, hear me. God has a plan for this. This is a part of His will because He doesn't want us to be confused about what the treasure is. The treasure is Jesus Christ and Him crucified and raised. The treasure is eternal life. The treasure is the Holy Spirit. The treasure is supernatural. It's something beyond time and space that we get to be a part of. And so he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. Why? To show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It's not something we can create. It's not something we can manufacture. No, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. No, there's so much more going on. We're always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. But what is God doing? He's showing us that this world is not as it should be. And our hopes should never be in this world. Our hope is meant to be in something beyond this place, something better than this place, something bigger than this place, something eternal, something something holy, something beautiful, something perfect. That's not this world. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. What is God doing? He's showing us that this world is not our home, that this world is not as it should be, that there's something better, that there's something more. It is a treasure. It is God himself. And we have this treasure, but it's in a jar of clay. Our our bodies and our culture and our world, it's always going to crumble. Why? Because it's not holy and eternal. It's not God. And if we seek to make a created thing our God, we will always be discouraged. But those of us who believe in Christ, we have no reason. We should not be discouraged. We should not be frustrated. We should anticipate. We should expect that this world is going to be hard. Isn't that what Jesus said in John 16, 33? In this world, you will have tribulation. Why are we surprised by that? Let's not be anymore. Let's not be surprised that sinners sin. Let's not be surprised anymore that people in darkness live out that darkness. Let's not be surprised by the corrosion of culture. Let's not be surprised. Let's just say, yes, this is what happens in a fallen world. But let's not be discouraged. Francois Fenelon, I think he's right. He, he hit the nail on the head. The main thing is to suffer without becoming discouraged. Yes, you're going to suffer. And the longer you live, the more you will suffer. But here's good news. Your hope is not in a created temporary thing. Our hope is eternal. Our strength is God himself. He is our treasure. And we have every reason not to become discouraged. All the world, although the world is, is not as it should be, we still have hope. And what we see in our text today is why it is we can have this hope. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me now to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For the next three weeks, we're going to be in, in this text that has become for me 
a lifeline. This this is a lifesaver, and I hope that you're here next week. If you're not here, you're going to hear about what happened. You're going to be like, oh, I should have been there. I should have brought friends. So make sure you're here next week for verses 17 and 18. But today we're in verse 16. So let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. And Drake Weaver is going to come and provide our reading for today. I love this little guy. He has the heart of Jesus, and he, he reveals his heart for Jesus and, and the way he serves and loves people. And so I'm, I'm happy to have him read for us today. He's going to read verse 16. So, Drake, if you would read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 for us. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. Well done, Drake. If you guys would, go ahead and be seated. Let's talk about this. In our fallen world with difficult circumstances, we can and should remain hopeful. And, and our capacity to have this, this kind of hope, this enduring hope, it's influenced entirely by our motivation. If you have the wrong motivation, you have the wrong hope. And if you have the wrong hope, it will not be sustainable and you will get discouraged. That's why it's crucial that we map out our motivation. That we understand what it is that is giving us life, what it is that is driving us forward, what it is that is lifting us. In our text, we, we see that it is, for those who believe, the power of God. There is no limit to the power of God. He is the Almighty, and He is true, and He is good, and He is kind, and He is loving. And I realize that there's not a lot of that in our world today, but our world is not as it should be. Our world is fallen, but we have a God that we can depend upon. And this God has power not only, not only to give us life and to transform us, but to renew us day by day. So let's look at what this verse says. Let's, let's dig out this, these glorious truths. There's two that I want you to see today and take note of. And the first one is this. In a world that is not as it should be, we do not lose heart. I love that statement of faith. I love the matter-of-fact way that the Apostle Paul and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says it. I hope that you're able to receive that today. We don't lose hope. We, we, we do not lose heart. We, we, we're not going to let this get us down. We're not going to be discouraged. We're not going to fall apart as the, like the rest of the world. I love it. It starts with so. There's a transition here. There's a connection. To see it, we've got to go back to verse 14. So look back at verse 14 with me. So, so knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will not, will, I'm sorry, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. That's why we do not lose heart. Because of Jesus Christ, we do not lose heart. This word, it, it means, it comes out of the words, ek and, and out of, and kakas, which means bad. It means we, we are not motivated to be cowardly. We are not driven by something that would lead us to be discouraged or faint-hearted or to be despondent. No, what we have, what we have gives us hope. And here's what we have. We have the truth about reality. If you do not have hope today, if you are discouraged today, here's what I want you to understand. You're not looking at life from the perspective of reality. Or at least you're not seeing the whole thing. See, we know what ultimate reality and what true truth is because we understand that God has revealed that to us in the Bible. 
And the Bible is not a collection of stories. It's not a collection of sayings. You've heard me say this before. What is it? It's a single story with four parts. And if you know this to be true, then you will not be discouraged. You will not be faint-hearted. You won't fall apart when the rest of the world does. Here's what you know. You know that, the, that God made the world to be in harmony. We were made to have peace with God, peace within, and peace with other people, but we don't. Why? Well, because of the fall, because of sin. And so what we see happening in our world today is the living out of our fallenness. When, when non-believers are in leadership and when those who believe uh, hide and, and, and tuck away the truth in their lives and they keep it private and there's no light in a culture and there's no salt and there's, there, there's no one standing for the truth, anyone will fall for anything. And that's what's happening in North America. That's what's happening in our country. Is that there is, there's deceit and there's confusion because no one knows what's true because no one's telling them. And so we are living now in a fallen land without a truth to God, without light, and so darkness is prevailing. But here's the good news. God did not abandon us in our darkness. No, friends. God has come to rescue us, and the rescue operation is underway right now. God left heaven to pursue us, to rescue us from sin and darkness, to give us life and light so that we can be in Him, so we can have eternal life. That's the treasure. It's not our jar of clay. It's not our bodies. It's not our nation. It's not the things that we can own or possess or the pleasure that we can gain. No, no, no. It's not that jar. It's the treasure in the jar. It's Jesus Christ. And here's what we know. Not only has He come, but He's coming again. The restoration is going to happen. Here's what we know. Jesus Christ is coming back. And He's going to make all things new. And we will reign with Him forever. We do not lose heart because we know the truth. We know reality. We understand what has happened, what is happening, and what is going to happen. You know, one of the things I love about sports is that you, you often will see what it looks like when the power of the gospel is lived out in real. And what I mean by that is this. In sports, you will often see athletes or teams get knocked down, get behind, but then find life and come out and bring victory right in the midst of, of what should have been despair and loss. I don't know if you watched the Olympics this summer. We, we watched it. It utterly confused my, my youngest son. He could not for the life of him figure out why in the world we were watching gymnastics. He would look at me and say, Dad, do we watch gymnastics? Do we watch swimming? Since when do we watch people run in a circle? I said, buddy, it's the Olympics. You watch weird stuff when the Olympics are on. I don't know what to tell you. But one of the things we watched, which was really cool, was the 10,000-meter um, race. And, and, and Mo Farah was in this race. He was from Great Britain. I don't know if you saw this race or not, but he was a hands-down favorite. And it was a long race, and so the, the guys were, you know, the commentators were talking a lot, and, and I think they actually left the race and came back to it. But it was interesting. As, as right as it was time for Mo Farah to, to, to take over, what he typically does in his race is kind of lays back. He sort of gets in the middle of the pack, and then at the end he just jets out and just, you know, just wins by, by, by you know, by tons of links. But, but in this situation, the guys were told, oh, yeah, Mo's about to take off, he's about to take off. And right at that moment, he fell down. Someone tripped him, and he fell down. And these announcers, oh, Mo fell down. You know, it's just like, it was like panic, you know. And that dude, he rolled, he jumped up on his feet, and he took off. 
and it was awesome. And out of defeat came victory. Out of a stumble came this strong finish. And I love that about sports. I, I love it, especially in football. I, I see this often um, as a Vanderbilt fan. We, 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 too, we usually get behind. Kentucky fans, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Bad example because, you know, usually they come back from behind, but basketball season's coming, and we'll talk about that soon, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but what, what, what I love is when a team or an athlete is able to, to get knocked down and then come back. And, and the reason they're able to do this is because of what they're motivated by. It's because they're not discouraged. Even though their situation may be one that would lead, lend them to, to be down, they, they don't. They don't get down. Why? Well, because they're not focused on the current score, but on what the score can be. They're not, they're not focused on past mistakes, but on future opportunities. They're not focused on what is wrong, but they're looking for what is right and what they can take advantage of. And so it is with the children of God. We, we know our team wins at the end. I don't know if you've read the end of the book, but we win. So smile a little more, all right? The victory is coming. Be patient. Be confident. Be long-suffering. Don't be discouraged. We win. I know it looks dark now. I know it looks like evil is going to have its way. It doesn't. In the end, God uses it all for His glory, and we win. Second thing is know that our past is redeemed, and God has a plan for our future. And those of you who have had past failures and pain, understand you, you have the most to offer now. Now that you are hopeful, you are now very helpful because you can talk to those who are discouraged. You can speak of what it is to go through pain and loss and speak of the goodness of the treasure of Jesus Christ. How though you are, were in this jar of clay and you had every reason to give up, Jesus Christ was the, the Savior. He was and is your strength. He is the provider. And, and although we know that things are wrong, we see that God is doing in us. One of the things that I... I struggled with as an early Christian was discouragement. As a matter of fact, th there were times when I, I thought seriously about abandoning the faith because I, I wasn't convinced that I was actually a believer. And here's why. I had a foul mouth. I was a terrible person. You think I'm bad now. You should have seen me before Christ, right? I, and I thought terrible things about people. And, and I began to really doubt if I was even saved, because I, I kept using bad language. I kept having horrible thoughts. And then, I don't know if it was a sermon or a scripture, but it, something clicked. And, and I, I found my footing, and I put, it put a smile on my face. And here's, some of you won't think this is a big deal. It's a big deal to me. It dawned on me that I cared. See, up until the point when I became a follower of Jesus Christ, I didn't care about me and I didn't care about anybody else. It was a frightening apathy. I would just soon smack his look at you. And I didn't give a flying flip about what happened to me either. But now that I was a Christian, all of a sudden, I cared. I cared about the words I was saying. I cared about what happened to other people. I cared about what was going to happen to my life. And all of a sudden, it was like, hey, that's a miracle. 
That's, that is God in me because I didn't used to care, but now I do. I'm, I'm not as far along as I want to be. I, I, I still have issues. I'm, I'm, I've still got to work on this mouth of mine, and i got to really control my thoughts, but God is at work. And be encouraged by that, Christian. Uh, take the words of John Newton. Listen to what John Newton says. It's so good. I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I want to be. I am not what I hope to be in another world, but still, I'm not what I once used to be, and by the grace of God, I am what I am. Isn't that good? By the grace of God, we are no longer dead in sin, but alive to Christ. Our sin is redeemed. Our future, it now makes sense because God is with us. We know the story. We know what is going to happen. And so we can we can take, I was going to read the whole Romans chapter 8, but then I knew I'd probably preach on the whole Romans chapter 8, and then there's another service behind us. But just listen to the last part, okay? This is Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 37. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's good news, amen? And because we know this truth, we, we, we don't lose heart. We do not lose heart. More than that, in a world uh, that is not as it should be, write it down, we are being renewed. Not only do we not lose heart, but we, we have a renewed strength every day. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Our bodies and this world are wasting away. There's this thing called the second law of thermodynamics. And here's what it states. That there is a natural tendency of any isolated system to to degenerate into a more disordered state. Now, those of us who are over 40, we may not be able to speak to that normatively, but we can speak to that existentially. We feel that truth, don't we? We feel our bodies wasting away. Our skin is not what it once was. Gravity is taking over. I can give testimony to the fact that our hair is not what it once was. Our knees, our joints, all this stuff, they are not what they once were. It's fascinating to know that, did you know that the average NFL football career is no more than three to six years? So today, if you happen to, to catch an NFL game going on, here's what you can know. The guys that are on that field in the next three to six years will not be there. And those who have been there for that long, they won't last much longer. You know why? Second law of thermodynamics, their bodies are wasting away. To be 30 years of age in the NFL makes you the old man. Why? Our bodies are wasting away. Our culture and our world is wasting away too. And we see it happening right before our eyes. But our inner self is being renewed day by day. And I know some of you are discouraged today and you're wondering how. How is it? How can I be renewed day by day? I'm going to give you five promises, all right? And I'm going to post these later. Just get the text that they come from, but understand these realities. And the first one is this. If we, if we are, are in Christ, we have been made new. 
Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away; behold, the new has come. We are not what we once were. We are now alive to God, and God is alive in us. We have eternal life. We are a new creation. What we once were is no more. We are now something new, and God is doing something. And that something is going to be carried to completion. Good news. Promise number two. God is going to finish what he started in, in us in Christ. Philippians 1.6. I love this one. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in us, in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. What this new creation that he's made you, he's at work in it. Guess what he's using oftentimes? Evil and suffering and pain. So if you say, man... There's a lot of evil and suffering and pain in my life. Hey, good news, God's at work. He's conforming you to the image of His Son. He's destroying for you any idea that a temporary thing will satisfy your eternal soul. And He's pointing you to the true treasure that is Jesus Christ. Third promise, God's plan for us in His kingdom is going to be done. Jeremiah 29, 11. Some of you love this verse, but make sure you love it for the right reason. Oh, I'm sorry, that's not, that's not, a, uh, God's work, word is doing a, a, a work in us. Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word uh, be that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it, look at this, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word has a purpose for every single day in our life. And I'm going to tell you something, if you're not reading God's word every single day, then you are not going to experience the purpose of that word for which God has sent it. So it's no wonder you're discouraged if you're not daily drawing from the truth of God's Word. Friends, we need to, to read God's Word. I know some of you are reading, oh, reading so hard. I'm crying for you, all right? But here's the deal. If you don't like to read, I get it. If you have a smartphone, download the ESV app. It will read to you. No excuses. Just get the Word in you. Because there's a purpose for it. And then understand there's also a purpose for you. The Word reveals the purpose. And again, be motivated by the right thing. Jeremiah 29, 11, I hope this is it. Yes. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. For what purpose? Why is God doing this? So you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the peoples where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Jeremiah was writing to a people who were in exile in Babylon. We who are in the New Testament, we who are Christ's people today, we are now in exile. We are in a world that is not as it should be. This world is not our home, but one day... He's going to gather us all from all the nations, and He's going to make all things new, and we will be with the Lord forever. Amen? This is God's purpose. And, and as He's living out this purpose, His plan is going to be fulfilled for our individual lives. The last thing is this. God's kingdom plan for eternity will be done. Daniel 2.44. Daniel 2.44. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all the kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. The kingdom of heaven is here and is coming. And Jesus is the king of that kingdom. And if you are in Christ, you are a member of his family. You are an heir to the kingdom of God. That kingdom has come and that kingdom is coming. The victory is on its way. And as we trust in him, as we look to this treasure, here's what will happen. Every day we will be renewed. 
I'm going to tell you something. Hear me. If you're counting on your good looks, if you're counting on your possessions, if you're counting on pleasure, if you're counting on people liking you and people applauding you, if you're counting on positions of power to satisfy the longing of your soul, I'm just going to tell you right now, it is a jar of clay. It will be broken. It will not suffice. Yes, we are a jar of clay. Yes, this world is a jar of clay, but in it is the treasure of Jesus Christ. And if we will pursue and recover His design for our life, there is hope. There is eternal hope. But the only way this hope can be yours is if you are resting, living in, delighting in Jesus Christ. Here's what we know. The world is not as it should be. God designed the world to be in perfect harmony, but because of sin, there's brokenness. Friends, if you're going to continue to try to heal your brokenness with sin, all you're going to do is create more brokenness, and that's what some of you are doing. Rather than trusting in Christ, you decided that you're smarter than God, and your lies and your compulsions and your physical desires are going to somehow mend your broken heart and your broken soul, and all you're doing is creating more brokenness. Stop. Stop. Wake up. Turn away from that. Repent of brokenness and sin. And instead, believe the truth. And here's the truth. God loves you. The good news is the gospel. God loves you. He has come to die for you. He he has defeated death. He is alive. And now because he is alive, we can pursue and recover his design for our life. Friends, be encouraged today. Make this your motivation. That God loves you, has not abandoned you. He is alive in you. And you can pursue him in as much as you believe. Now some of you don't believe. And here's what I want to encourage you to do to ask God to help your unbelief. It took a long time for me to become a Christian. A long time. It took me several months. I listened to sermons for several months and it didn't click until God broke me. Friends, don't wait till that moment. God doesn't have to take everything from you. Just turn everything over to Him. But He loves you too much to let you stay separated from Him. And don't let that be a threat. Let it just be a promise. If God is pursuing you, He's going to get you. Just give Him your life. Stop creating more pain for yourself. Stop making this worse than it has to be. Instead, give your life to Christ and say, Lord God, I'm going to trust you with all that I am. And if you're trusting God with all that you are today and you're discouraged, come and say, Lord God, renew my faith. Help me to see life for what it is. Help me to trust you for what you are. And if you need God's intervention in your life, listen, ask Him. He's not abandoned you. He's not... He knows. He's waiting for you to come and ask Him to do what only He can do so that you will know that it's Him, so that you will delight in Him, so your motivation will be what is right and true, so that you can can live with a real hope. And if you need that today, come and ask Him. Ask Him for a miracle. Ask Him to do what only He can do. Everything is small to God. I know some of you are sitting there today and you're thinking, oh no, you don't know the situation. It's really big. God's bigger. Everything is small to God. The victory is coming. Join in and ask Him to do what is necessary for you to experience it.
Let's stand together as we pray. Father, there is no way any of us will ever have satisfaction in our soul. We will never be able to say it is well with our soul until we are completely trusting in Jesus Christ, the one who has defeated the power of sin and death. Father, I pray for some who are here today who need to come and get on their knees and say, Lord God, forgive me and take over my life. I, I want I want to have hope, an eternal hope. I want eternal life. I don't want to be defined by my past anymore. I want a future that is in God's hands. Father, for some today who are struggling to, to live in their faith, some who are in need of a physical or an emotional miracle, God, would you today, would you act on their behalf? Would you hear them? And would you, God, show them that you are with them and that you have a plan and they could trust you? Lord God, hear the, the people who come to you now in prayer and hear us as we pray, as we sing this as a song of praise. In Jesus' name, amen.